Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Thursday, randomly, on April the 7th, 2022. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we have Dr. Jennifer Huberty in the house. So we're going to pick her brain today. But before we kick into that, two quick reminders. One, our 40 days of fitness is kicking off here in nine days and nine hours and some change. This is probably, in terms of fitness content, the most challenging um, of all the programs that we have put out. That's not to say we don't build in the regressions for you guys to be able to be successful, but this is not the easiest thing that we have ever done. It's completely brand new. This is the first time we have run this. We filmed it late last year. These sessions will, how do I say, like rip your face off in the most safest, healthiest way uh, possible. So if you guys want to check it out, the links in our Instagram bio, it'll come out on the newsletter every day this week. The site is jeremyscottfitness.com slash 40 dash days dash of dash fitness. That is a mouthful for sure. If you want to get down with it, I'm happy to give you guys a little podcast discount code to make life easier. Just shoot us a message. We'll hook you guys up with that. But again, you have nine days from now. The program kicks off itself on April the 18th, and we'll close down the registration, I believe, Saturday night sometime. So anytime between now and then, hit us up, and we'll get you guys cooking. And you already know this episode is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. It's the one thing I take every single day and I never miss. If you're somebody who struggles to eat enough fruits and vegetables, and let's be real, almost all of us do, even myself at times, this is the thing I throw in my life to cover the gaps in my nutrition. You still have to eat real food, obviously, but I'm a realist. You guys travel, you got kids, you're busy. There's a lot of shit going on. This is a nice way to kind of supplement the awesome stuff you're already doing. If you want to check it out now, the site athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott will give you guys a year supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. You should already be taking the D3 with the K2 already, so we'll throw it in for free. And if you've heard me talk about this maybe once, or this is the 470th some episode you've heard me ramble on, shoot us a message. Reach out to us on the contact page, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. I don't care how you get a hold of us. Send us your info. Monica will send you a pack right to your front door, 100% to try for free before you guys make a purchase. It's easily the best tasting greens on the planet. Um, I've tried them all, and a lot of them taste like complete hot garbage. This is the only one that I'll easily drink. I travel with the travel packs everywhere I go, and I think it can help you guys out. That's why we work with these folks for probably five years now at this point so if you guys got questions just hit us up otherwise check out the site athleticgreens.com slash jeremy scott to get all the free stuff today okay dr huberty in the house yes i'm here um for the people who are listening how do we get here who are you what do you do what's the origin story as far back as you want to go we'll go crazy lots Lots to the history, but um, I am the director of science at the mobile app Calm. C-A-L-M. C-A-L-M. It's a mental health brand that has an app that helps people um, sleep better, manage anxiety, stress, depressive symptoms, and offers overall relaxation. But um, this is just my current role now. I was 20 years in academe as a research professor. Um, the last 10 years I was at Arizona State University. Go Sun Devils. Not really. <laughs> we, got a, we, got a lot of, we got a lot of those here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but actually, I would say my journey started when I was a kid. I'll never forget this. I lived in uh, Sedona, Arizona. My mother was a was an aerobic instructor. I grew up in Richard Simmons gyms in the daycare. Really? My mom used to teach um, in 
in Richard Simmons and Jane Fonda clubs in, in LA and we moved out to Arizona and then she continued to do that. So that's really where my whole, my career started because I was in high school thinking, God, I want to do something with exercise. And I remember my chemistry teacher saying, that's going to take a lot of science. So I went to flag high and, um, I went to NAU for undergrad, Okay. moved out to Virginia for my master's, got my PhD in Utah. But all that being said, I, w- I have three degrees in exercise physiology. And I remember thinking at the end of my, my education, holy shit, if I don't like what I'm going to do when I'm done, I'm screwed because I can only do really one thing. I was personal training, teaching spin at 24-Hour Fitness and Union Pacific Railroad over the years. And So anyway, it all started with fitness, but um, when I started doing research, I was really looking at how women can maintain exercise programs or maintain physical activity. So I wanted to help women think better about themselves and take care of themselves. And I did some research to find out that women do so, you know, stay in healthy behaviors because the way they feel about themselves so that's kind of where all my research started with with um, exercise and health behavior. And then I went through my own um, personal trauma, um, which I know this is kind of like all these things at once, but this is really what switched me to calm and, and where I'm at now. So I was using exercise to help women feel better, and I was working with cancer and a bunch of different chronic conditions. And then um, I had my own trauma, and that helped me realize that yoga, meditation are important components to help me work through my trauma. And um, then I started doing research in those areas. So, um, yeah, so then I found myself at Calm kind of crazily, you know, 20 years into academe. And I have not looked back. I love everything about what I'm doing now, helping people um, manage stress, improve their mental health. So did you grow up in Sedona? I grew up in L.A. till I was like in seventh grade, and then I moved to Sedona. So I went to Brewer Road School, I think it was called, Sedona Elementary, in eighth grade. There were like 10 kids in my class. Like how, just because I'm <laughs> curious, how different is Sedona like today versus like oh when my you God. grew up there? Like a different planet. Uh, totally. When I go up there, I'm like, what the hell? So there was no high school when I was there. So I bust to Flagstaff from Sedona, like through snowstorms. Like up 89A or whatever? Yes. And there was not traffic like there is now. Like it'll take you two hours to go now. It used to take us 42 minutes. And, you know, now that I'm a parent, I'm like, holy shit. My parents let me take a car at 16 up and down this road every day. They were high as a kite. Like there's no way in hell my boys will ever drive that road until they're like 21 and out of my house. That's crazy i was driving that thing fast and irresponsibly and oh my god because it's sketchy when it's like because it snows oh all, yeah all up and down i would pass on double yellows like not even thinking about anything yeah but that was because now the high school is by there because my wife works for corporate marriott oh and so yeah. they have the two marriott's yeah. and then the high school is kind of right there but we mm. stay at this place called forest house mm. it's like right in oak creek so you actually cross over the creek with your car to go to it it's actually super oh. sick like your phone doesn't really work. It's like a kind of one of the rare places, but yeah, like we Flagstaff's. This is not knock. Like Flagstaff's not my favorite place ever. I go, but Sedona's awesome. Except now it sucks. Don't go there, everybody, because people are going and they ruin it. Sedona. Yeah. Yeah, it's very touristy now. It was touristy then, but my parents owned. Uh, my mom was a 
clothing designer. She's an artist. And so we had clothing stores, and that's what they did, and that's why we lived in Sedona. Um, I don't regret it. Growing up in a small town, I when I moved there from California, I was like, this is freaking baloney. But yeah. um, now looking back, it's like I wish my kids had an opportunity to, to grow up in small communities like that because there's something to be said about it. I know. Now it's like five million dollars to have a normal house there because it's gotten real crazy i know uh we still love it we go on like the weekdays and yeah exactly not, not, hiking not during high season yeah no. uh I'll, I'll come back to this because since yeah. your mom did uh the whole richard simmons stuff i remember being at a fitness conference where i think martin rooney puts uh like richard simmons up on the screen and everybody's like kind of starts like laughing and kind of talking shit in the room and he just stops and he's dead serious and he's like this dude has changed more lives than anybody in this entire room will. And I thought about that. And I'm like, well, he ain't lying right now. Which is no, it's very true. He's changed. He, the, at, at his gym, this was like, I was like under 10. So 85, right? 84, 83, whatever. I would go there and there were two rooms. There was the workout room, like just a big room. My, mo- my mother had records. She would throw records on one at a time. Nice. You know, magic or, um, yeah, just Michael Jackson, all the all the good. I remember all those records. But anyway, um, and then there was another classroom. It was called the, I think it was like overweight anatomy or something like that. I don't know. But there was a separate room for people who were overweight and a separate class for people who were overweight. So they used to separate them. Um, That's people. crazy, that too. That is crazy because right now, if you try to do that, you oh, would dude. get – But they did it. Can- I don't, canceled, I think, is the term they used. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they, I don't think they were doing it, obviously, because of that. But they were. They, it was a different class. It was a little easier. It was less intense. It was also to have acceptance to be around other people that looked maybe just like you help with comfort level. I think that's what the reasoning was behind it. Obviously, it's a no-go now. But, yeah, that's what the – so my mom used to sub occasionally in the overweight class. I would just remember that. Yeah. It's very interesting. Well, to me, it's like I understand the the dynamic today because people are the sensitivity and different things. And, and I'm not saying that's right then either. I go, however, there is ability levels, advanced, that's intermediate. Right. That's right. And so like that right. makes the most sense to me. Like you wouldn't want. But you can be overweight and have. Oh, dude. Uh, amazing abilities like there's some yoga poses that I wish I could do and there's beautiful women with these beautiful banging big bodies that are like doing some crazy stuff that I can't do well it's weird too because like you don't know that until you see somebody like we could that's right like judge a book by its cover there's a guy here he's actually a CFO of a hospital and when we met him he was like 300 pounds and he'll won't take offense to this he looked like uncle fester like he had a shaved head he just got divorced his life was just like a train wreck and he's done he owns records here that I can't beat. Mm, that's awesome. Um, but even him. at 300 pounds, he would move. And we're like, this doesn't make sense. Like he's doing things that like we would never guess he could do. So it's, but I do get the the example of like, well, these guys are here. These guys are here. But yeah. But if he, and it makes sense if he, lo- he I'm assuming he lost weight. Oh yeah. Now he's like a 200 pounds. Yeah. He, like probably, he, lost, he lost a person. But a lot, a lot of it I'm sure had to do with mentally. Like he lost resistance and he had to let go of stuff because you, you started it by saying his life was a train wreck. So oh, yeah. he probably got through a lot of things mentally, emotionally with, with, uh, you know, eventually your physical body, it's a manifestation of the same. So I'm sure that's all connected. And so you, you mentioned you taught spin. Yes. But like you had to been like the smartest spin instructor of all time. <laughs> like I think you have no. so many, like so much education to do that. Well, I used to, I was a personal trainer at 24 Fitness and um, the general manager, she 
wouldn't make me hit my numbers because I had, I was in school, so I couldn't always work on the closing day. I think they called it there. And, um, but people used to come in and they'd see, you know, PhD student and they would just want me as, I was booked all the time. They just want me as a trainer because I was getting almost done with my PhD. So I was making her tons of money just by, with my title. It did help, I'm sure. And so if you wanted to do fitness, like why so deep into the academics? Like, I'm not saying like there is people in our space who do it, but it's, it's super rare. Yeah. I guess I really wanted to help people like, you know, what is it? You know, less than 20% of the population exercises regularly, rain, rain, sick, you know, weather, whatever, like they do it no matter what kids, you know, and I really wanted to help women figure out and, and people in general figure out ways to, to stick to exercise. It's one thing to start it, it's another thing to keep doing it. That's why gyms make all this money because they are, they're in the business of selling memberships that nobody shows up for. Because if everybody who had a membership came to the gym, they wouldn't have enough room for all the people. I don't know the stat with the big boxes, but I, th- I swear, because I've been, I've been in a lot of rooms with a lot of people who share a lot of things they shouldn't share around me because I don't run the same model. Like we want all the people to come here. But mm-hmm. I don't oversell it, though, because I don't want to do shit. And I want to know everybody's name and where their kids go. And there's not a knock on 24-hour or Lifetime or anywhere, but they don't want that. Yeah, think, for sure. I think it's something like 10,000% they have to oversell it, like a Planet Fitness, where the dude crushes it making money in terms of a business right. model. But he's betting that people are going to sign up and not look at their bills, or they go in and they pay, they give you 5K for a, you know a Lifetime, and they never come back. I know. So if you sell so, sell so many of those... Um, but yeah, I really was, I wanted to get the education cause I wanted to understand how people change behaviors and, um, yeah, I was more interested in helping people change behaviors than exercising the benefits of it itself. And really, because when I was 16, I'll never forget, I saw a stretch mark on my body and I was like, mom, what the hell is this? And looking back it was probably more growing uh, stretch marks than because I was really tall. Yeah. But my mom never pushed exercise on me, never told me to exercise. But she said, well, if you want to, you can come exercise. And then I, I started exercising. And of course, when you're growing up with your mother, going to a gym every morning, it's pretty easy. And so I just kept doing it. And I'm like, everybody can do this. It's not that difficult. So. Well, the phrase we share a lot is more is caught than taught. So even if your mom never says it, you see her doing it. That's she right. does it for a living. Like, okay. Which is odd you say that because actually this is my mom on this magazine cover here with me. Mm. When she was. That's I mean, cool. She lies about her age a lot. So I don't know how old she was. In her 50s. Somewhere. Mm-hmm. There. Looked, she looks pretty good. Yeah. She's 60 something now. But again, she's not real truthful. So who knows? She's been 60 something for a couple of years in a row. But it's the same thing. Like where I was just I always played sports. But. They never had to say, hey, go do this. You would just see it. And you see them working hard and like, okay, that's what I want to do too. You know, it's interesting you say that because like I started my career working in childhood obesity, um, my research career, if you will, when I was my uh, professor. I was at University of Nebraska, Omaha. Omaha, oh, Nebraska, nice. or Warren Buffett. It's a, I remember when it's I was a great airport. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna move there, and everyone's like, "That's where Warren Buffett lives." And I'm like, "Who is Warren Buffett?" <laughs> Just this dude I with a couple bucks, yeah, couple dollars. Moses own lawn, though. No it's shit. like a, it's like a tourist. It was like everyone used to 
go by his house and try to find, watch him mow his lawn. That's hilarious. Crazy. Anyway, um, in but in childhood obesity, we used to go into schools and we used to have parents that said, "My kid's overweight. What can I do?" And I used to always say, first thing was like, "What are you doing to be active? How are you?" being an example for your child, eating right, exercising. And they would say like, I don't have time or I don't feel like it. And it's just like, well, this is, this is one of the problems is that your child doesn't have anything to watch and model, um, for those, those behaviors. So it's kind of that same thing. Well, and I have a bunch of the stats here cause we go through this with a lot of the people on here where, and this is like per the, like the CDC, they always pump it out. Like in Dr. John Russell, like had a projection too. I don't know where he got it from. I don't have it in front of me, but it was like obesity is 42% of like adults. And like the overweight is like 73%. But the projection by like 2030 was like overweight. was just like nearly everybody, mm-hmm. which it seems like that's impossible. But if it's at 70 some percent today, you have almost everyone who's like in not a healthy weight range. And then the kids they had, like one out of every three kids mm-hmm. is obese. And short of saying like, you know, again, I grew up in a different era in a different time where my dad's very like, if you ever seen the movie Gran Torino with Clint Eastwood? Yeah, long, long, long time. Yeah, that's basically my dad. And so it's like, this is how the fuck it's going to be and this is how it's going to go. And I'm like, well, I don't want to eat that. And he's like, no, dude, you will. You'll come in, sure as shit, a couple hours I come back and I eat it. But I don't see, and again, I'm not going to tell a parent, like, you know, live in the military like I did. But how do you attack that other than like, hey, you just have to model good behavior because this is all these kids know. Because it's, it's like a, it's a problem. Like, it's, we're to the point where those percentages are probably like one out of every two kids sooner mm-hmm. than later. Like, the trajectory is so shitty when I look at it. Because if I look back and say, like, when I went to school in your entire classroom, you maybe have one or two kids who struggle with weight. Now it's a huge number and that just keeps getting bigger. Yet we have more trainers, more coaches, more apps. We have more everything yet. The problem just keeps. Yeah. Some of it is sociodemographics. Like the resources aren't available for everybody. 100%. And that's just how it goes. You know, in schools with free and redu- high free and reduced lunch um, percentages of kids, they, the, if they're living in apartments, it's hard to go outside and, and play. And if parents are working or they're single parent homes and they're working late, video games are often what entertains children because there's no options. And for those situations, that's why I used to work in schools because at least in school, we could assure that girls, in some of the cases, it was specific for girls, but children as a whole would get access to you know, not only is it recess time, but how do we make sure that at recess time, we're not sitting talking, we could eat, we could be on a walking path, walking around and talking, right? If that's what kids want to do. Or if you're not that good at sports, you don't feel left out and you don't play, you don't play because you know, no one's going to pick you for their team. Like there are a lot of different um, components to that. But on the other side of that, I would definitely say that like, I'm a firm believer in, in choice and, um, making things as difficult or as easy as you want to. And I know it takes internal work, but when my kids were young and I occasionally will see this with other parents, it's like, it is more work to do some of the things that I do in my home. Like my kids have very minimal electronics time on a Sunday. How old are they? Nine and 12, but it's been that way. So they'll come in on a weekend day and they're like, can we play video games? I'm like, no, it's sunny outside. Go. You know, and is it a, is it a pain? I'm not going to say it's not when I, I might get asked the question 20 freaking times before it sticks. Right. Mom, mom, exactly. Mom. Yeah. And so it's really easy to just say, fine. 
but I don't because I know my children should be using their bodies, engaging, being in nature, all those things. Even down to like things like when they were little kids, like I used to send them to their preschools with green peas and like vegetables in these little Tupperwares. And I would go shopping and I would hand them, they'd say, I want a snack. And I'd hand them some green peas and people would be like, how do you get your kids to eat green peas? And I'm like, because they don't know any different. You know, do they eat Cheez-Its? Hell yeah, they eat Cheez-Its. They're kids. But they also take a vegetable in their lunch every day and they know they got to eat vegetables. It's how it goes. So it's just, it. sometimes it can be, you know, making it as easy or hard as you want to and putting in the effort. Well, because you like, you have a culture that you've already established. You're not trying to change one. And that's where I think people probably run into the shit where it's like, well, my kid's been doing this for six years. Now I'm going to tell him he's got to eat green peas and he's going to just like lose his shit. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's called conversation and then making the change and then that's it. Like you got to be stern. And, and again, every family is different and we also have to have compassion for the fact that people parent in the ways that they know how and feel the best and every parent should parent the way that feels best to them. But this is, you know, what's worked best for me and my husband and feels the best for us. But I do think, you know, it's just like policies. You know, I talk about policies when, when we worked with childhood obesity, you know, um, the vending machines, we were like vending machines are on lockdown at 3 PM. Like for after school, they need to eat these snacks, not, not candy bars and sodas. And everyone was freaking out. And the truth is, is if you set a policy the first year, it's going to suck. You're going to have parents knocking on doors. You're going to have people complaining. You're going to have people against it. But by year three, no one knows the difference. They know that this is closed because new people come in and it's just the way it is or it was. And so it's, again, taking the time to make the change and then sticking with it and letting time pass. So basically, if you can just like weather the storm of revolt early on, That's right. you'll be okay. <laughs> I mean, at some point, yeah. Well, it's crazy to me because like meeting people who have done this for a long time and got to meet some super fit humans, not all from America. And their habits are not the same as ours. That's Drastically right. different. Where I remember when Jairus from Lithuania, and he's like, the first time he came here, he lives in New York now, like had a brownie. And he's like, what the fuck is this? But he didn't have the same reaction as me because I ate him my whole life. Not that he didn't love them, but he didn't have that natural inclination to let me grab a brownie. It just wasn't ingrained in him from, like when I'm a kid, I go to the bus stop, Pop-Tarts and like a Mountain Dew. That's my breakfast. Mm-hmm. Dog shit. <laughs> like, I think of my parents, I'm like, you guys are murderers. Sounds horrible. You know what I'm saying? Like, the fact that, like, I'm not dead is <laughs> a miracle. Because there was probably a time where I ate, like, minimal micronutrients in an entire week. You're talking, like, mac and cheese, tombstone pizzas, Doritos. Oh like, I remember God. just, I would make, like, stovetop stuffing and, you know, like, eat that for fucking dinner. Like, how terrible is that? Well, and how, like, I think about that stuff now. And that's the other thing is people are like, how do you eat? Why do you eat so healthy? Like live a little. And it's like, I, I do live and I do eat healthy. But the main reason why I don't have a hard time, you know, eating the way I do is because the way it feels like oh. I could eat two Cheez-Its. Those taste good, right? My kids making their, I'm making their lunch. I'll have like a couple of Cheez-Its. But if I were to eat four, I would be like, oh, this is like, then your body starts to react. So it's like, I can have two to three bites of a dessert, but by bite four, I'm like, all right, I can feel my insulin. I can feel my body. It's just, so that's why it's easy. Cause I go with how I'm feeling. So like you're explaining all these foods that you're putting in your body. 
you don't know what it feels like to not have the foods in your body. And if you could see the difference, you could then use your body as your own guide. Like, holy shit, this feels like shit. It's not even, it's not about the taste. It's about how does the body, how does it make your body feel basically? Well, and you have like a level of body awareness by doing it both ways. And obviously over time you become healthier. And I always made this argument. I don't think the average person probably has went three days in their adult life and just eaten protein, produce, and water. Like, and I've, I've, and I do, I've done this for like 15 years. There's rarely a person who comes in here where that's, and if they do, they're super fit and they're healthy and they can move everybody else. It's like, there's always a crutch. There's always something they go for. And so again, to your point, they don't know what feeling good feels like. And if I could rip this out of me and give it to them, like if I felt shitty, I wouldn't have this energy to do this every day. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't look this way, move this way and feel this way. And like mm-hmm. the looking part is just a byproduct. Like, fuck it. I feel good. And I know like, dude, I love pizza too, but it's a nightmare, not just for one day, but for like three days. So now I'm giving up three days for this pizza because I'm not just going to eat one piece because I'm a dipshit. I'm going to eat the whole thing. I'm not going to, there's no self-regulating for me when it's not real food. Mm-hmm. And I always say like asparagus, right? I'm never going to overeat on it. I'm going to eat what's there and I'm going to roll. Now, if it's like chips, I could easily eat the whole bag. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough thing to teach people because it's mm-hmm. not the skill of eating a baby can do. Grab it, put it in your mouth. We're not trying to change that. It's the behavior pattern. Why would I grab broccoli over Sour Patch Kids? Yeah. That's tough to do. Yeah. And I think it's actually a component of mindfulness too, because I, I'm an avid meditator. I, I meditate every day for about 15 minutes. And, you know, like two days ago I had this meeting and didn't go as, as I had planned. And I was a little upset and I'm like telling the story to somebody, which I try not to do that either. Cause it continues to keep like the negativity in your head and like, instead of trying to find something better to, to focus on. But I found myself grabbing my, uh, grabbing a snack, you know, and of course you can call it healthy. You can call it not healthy. I was still eating food and, and I wasn't hunger, hungry. I had a, I had a chicken breast for lunch and some rice. Like I had a really good lunch and I'm like on the phone and I'm like, shit, I'm putting food in my mouth right now and I'm not even hungry. And then I rolled it up and put it away, you know, cause it's like, it, it was mindfulness. So, so I, you know, it, there is that practice of really being thoughtful and present and in the moment. And it's like, it was a knee jerk reaction. And I think a lot of the population, you know, we use other things to, to satisfy ourselves when we do have, you know, stuff going on in our head or whatever. And the more we can be mindful about what those things that we're knee jerk reacting to, you know, I've, I've gone to the refrigerator before and had my hand on the refrigerator and like, I'm actually don't need any food. So I'm going to turn around and either find myself a beverage that's tasty one with no sugar, like we're talking Spindrift is my, is my go-to. What is that? Is like water or something? Spindrift, it's like a seltzer water. It has okay. like five calories in it's natural juice, whatever. It's good. Yeah. Um. Anyway, or, you know, whatever, and I'm going to go back to what I was doing or find something else that makes me feel good right now. Like I'm going to go sit for five minutes with my, the cutest dog ever, Ollie, my dog, yeah. one of my three dogs. Um. So anyway, just being you know, people don't realize that it is a a point of mindfulness as well. Well, and I'll ask that too. 
because people use the word mindfulness all the time it's like a buzzword it's like it's sexy it's like a microbiome like people just like <laughs> you know this, this bullshit stuff that goes out there That's uh, right. like wellness it's the same kind of thing yeah, but yeah. when you're talking un- i understand what you're talking about it's basically just you're really in the moment and you're understanding what That's you're right. doing why you're doing it but a lot of people i think they default to food and alcohol it's just a behavior that's now synced in their brain with, right. with activity. It's a habit. Or it's their escapism or it's mm-hmm. their stress reliever. However, because in the moment, it feels awesome. And then they have this eater's remorse, drinker's remorse for a lot of people. Where Because in real time, it's like you burn your hand in the stove. Like you know it's hot. Hey, dipshit, don't do that. But when you eat cinnamon rolls, you feel great. You don't burn your hand. Although that is But just, do you feel great? You don't. It, for, in the moment. In the moment. But... Ten moments later, you feel like shit. Well, and then it's like that just dug your hole two more feet deeper. But now you're in this perpetual cycle. And it's I, I talked about this uh, like a, probably like a week ago, like how people say like sugar is, is super addicting. It's not just like table sugar because I always say like you're not going to snort it like cocaine. <laughs> it's, the, it's the flavor profile, the taste, the texture, you know, the crunchy, the sweet, the soft, the warm. It's all the things combined that now uh, have you hooked on it. And it, it's true, though. Like, if I was to go, I like those Koya, those little, like, plant-based, uh, they're little protein plant-based drinks. They're like crack. Oh. But they're always, ref- they're organic. Is it whey protein? No, no. It's oh. all plant. And oh. they, it, but it's a complete protein. They do pea rice and hemp is, like, the blend. Uh, natural grocers, Whole Foods have them. They're amazing. They're expensive. Uh, it's the only kind of one I like. And that's super sweet to me. Mm-hmm. But if I go to Cold Stone and then I go eat that, now that tastes like shit. Because it's like a real thing. And most people, this your palate is so adapted to this manufactured fake shit. And my question is like, these food companies are not stupid. They hire some of the smartest people to test the texture, the size. I mean, from the branding standpoint all the way down to no. And there's not an education like really against that for people. Like, yeah, we'll talk about it. But like, I don't have, you know, PepsiCo money. I don't have this. And people really don't even know what they're doing. And so like, how does someone start to even be mindful of like the decisions they're making. Cause like we don't teach that in like third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. So it's like, Oh, this is what you eat. This is what you do. It's normal. And like what you do now is looked at as not normal. The way that you eat is strange. The way that I live and eat is really fucking weird compared to the normal person. And that's kind of part of the problem. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, I guess I definitely have educated myself. So myself over the years, you know, well, when you, I, yeah, you got 18 degrees and you're teaching spin class. Well, sure. yeah, but also the, but, but I'll say like in college and, um, you know, I used to eat lean cuisine and like weight watchers, you know, those, cause that was what was cool then. But you thought, and, and you thought it was healthy at the time. Yeah, sure. And those days it was, um, there were even studies to suggest if you ate those things, you could keep your weight off and all those things. But we know better now. And we know that, like, it's everything in moderation and it's balancing, you know, fruits and vegetables with protein and smart carbohydrates, right? Like carbohydrates that aren't going to skyrocket your insulin levels. Like real food. That's right. Well, yeah. and, but like when, you, you know, even like I think women, it's like bread. Oh my God, I can't eat bread. But you, can if you read the labels you can if you wear like what it, what is in your bread like look at the ingredients in your well, bread if there's two to three ingredients you can eat a piece of bread if you've got 75 ingredients also well i guess it depends on the ingredient but like i guess the, the and let's not get too caught up in the bread i guess well, what bread do you like i'm just curious um so we do the ezekiel i like the ezekiel okay stuff. so i i eat ezekiel and i eat like if i'm gonna eat 
something with bread, like a sandwich, quote unquote, I would never eat two pieces. I would eat one because I know macro wise that there's, it's like a, a good amount of carbohydrate, but I'm also eating broccoli and maybe like three or four slices of an apple or a handful of berries. Like, yeah. So again, but it, you know, I, it, like I'm definitely not general population, but I'm also not psycho like you are. Oh, yeah. But but I guess what I'm saying is that like I've just been educating myself over time. And I think that what what happens is we end up with trends over the years and we all go to these trends and it's going to answer the it's going to answer or no, solve our problem. Okay. So we got the fat free, you know, we had fat free. I was eating Entenmann's and cookies. They were all fat free. So why not? And then I was eating Weight Watchers and Lean Cuisine. And then after I um, had my babies, I, I had someone that was like, you should do the four hour body. So I did the four hour body. So if you learn about the four hour body. The four hour body is meant to have, help you rapidly lose weight. And it's not something to stick to for two years. Me, I overdid it and I stuck to it for two years. That's and Tim Ferriss. Yeah. yeah. And, and fuck, fucked up my metabolism pretty good, you know? And then yeah. I was like, okay, I had a vitamin D deficiency. I had a vitamin B deficiency. I had all these things because carrots have sugar in them. You know, you shouldn't eat them. So like, this is the <laughs> thing, right? But I was lean, very lean. Yeah. So again, oh, and you know, the whole thing with keto oh my god if i hear one more thing about keto it's like pee on a stick you're not peeing on a stick three times a day six times a day like do you are you really and and then even paleo it's like these are all quick fixes to things where it's really educating yourself in whatever capacity you can and are able again resources are different for everyone so i really want to be mindful about that but also finding what's right for you. You don't eat all day and then you eat most of your calories at night. That would never work for me. No. Because um, I would never eat vegetables when I'm that, you know, at that time at night. I would eat pancakes and pizza. Yeah. You know, um, and so it's finding what's right for you. It's finding the flow for your own body because you'll learn if you practice on your body what works and what doesn't work. Um, and everything in moderation speaking to yourself kindly, being compassionate. If you're hungry, eat. If you drink water and you're still, you know, if you're, if you're not sure you're hungry, drink a beverage, drink water, I should say. If you're still hungry, eat fucking food, you know, but pick food that's going to nourish you, not satisfy you temporary. And I say all these things being super mindful. My bachelor's, my master's, my PhD is in exercise physiology. It's not necessarily in nutrition, but with exercise comes eating. And so I've been practicing it my and moving and shaking with it my whole life. Um, so anyway, I just think that, that we have to really, really think about, we're always looking for something to fix it. Well, to again, follow to your point of the exercise, phys nutrition, you rarely meet somebody who does one perfect and does the other one like trash. And people always say like the food is the, the bigger part, but I would argue with you. I'm like, have you ever met anybody who eats perfect and never exercises? It really isn't a thing. Like yeah, they're, they're walking, not. hiking, doing yoga. Yeah, they might true. not be deadlifting that's 800 true. pounds, but nobody like, Oh, I eat perfect and I never fucking move. That's just not a thing. Yeah. So they are deeply interconnected and it's like the only thing we do and it, what you named is most of the extremes where, and this is honestly what we do here. If anybody ever comes in here, now you'll know. When they tell us, I do this eating protocol, we uh, audit, like, as soon as you walk out, we're like, they're full of shit. And I don't mean that negatively, but like, I eat keto, but I'm 200 pounds overweight. I'm like, well, 
you're really doing it wrong then if that's the case like all you're basically doing is taking out an entire macronutrient so if you did it i mean you could lose weight in theory. that's right because you're cutting calories an entire thing is gone but that right but you're still like that's why all these quote-unquote diets work the same because you cut up you cut calories you're in a deficit who cares that's right when i was doing for our buddy body cutting sugar i was cutting carbohydrates essentially and it worked for a while but then it was like not only was I always wanting to eat carbohydrates and feeling like I was depriving myself, but again, my metabolism was like, and the thing I'll say too, is being a middle-aged woman, um, is that I don't think women talk about enough about how you do, your body changes over time, whether you have children or not, especially if you do have children, your body just does change over time. Nobody wants to talk about it though. Nobody wants to talk about like all of a sudden I have adipose in this area and I'm exercising and eating right. Why is that? I'm not over exercising. I'm not, you know, dieting what's happening. Your hormones are changing. Your body's changing. And so we have to do better as a society, as ex- at accepting the changes that naturally happen while maintaining healthy practices, exercise and eating, right? Like the reasons why we're doing them, not being so focused on the physical and our external appearances. And that's what my research was to begin with when I started my career is women were telling me that they were exercising because they felt that they were worth it, that it was helping contribute to their self-worth. And I ran a program called Fit Minded for years. There's 10, 10 publications on it. And we were seeing changes in physical activity and even in body mass index. But never do we talk about weight in that program. We talk about loving ourselves in the bodies that we're in, letting go of our belief systems about how we need to look in a bathing suit and how our genes need to fit and all those things. And we did that through reading books um, and talking about those things. And it was shifting you know, women's belief systems with which helped to shift their health behaviors. Well, it's crazy that, and I don't know why it's a thing that's not talked about. I'm a dude, so that's not my area. I've never had a kid. That's okay. (laughs) Monica, who sits where you typically are, has had three kids. Mm -hmm. I've lived through all of them as they're here. (laughs) Um, And I always say it seems like a traumatic experience for your body. Like if I was to shit out a human being, like that would be the most traumatic thing I could ever do. And yet we'll hear people be like, well, when I was 26, I'm like, well, now you're 43. That's right. Well, yeah. When I was 14, I could eat Burger King and play eight, right. eight basketball games in a day. And I woke up and I felt fine. Now that would kill me and have to foam roll for three weeks just to move. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but like we, we somehow like we romanticize, I think, yes. the past. And yes. then we're not willing to accept like this graceful right. aging process. That's right. Self-acceptance and, and, and just appreciating where you are now. It's like, I've gone up and down in my own personal journey. And when you're, and I'm sure you can relate to this, when you're professionally in this area, it almost is harder personally, because for me, it's like, I want to be an example to everyone else. And I want to be a role model for women and help them. But at the same time, women wouldn't realize that I have my own inner demons and beliefs and stories that I'm trying to do better with all the time. And I'm real good at telling everyone else to be compassionate and kind to themselves and they look beautiful. But I look in the mirror and I'm critiquing myself constantly, you know? So we do definitely um, have to get better, you know, at doing that. And I've found that over the years, I, it's interesting, like I've been super lean um, right after I had all my babies, like I, I'm a, I'm a 10 now. I was a 12 when I got married and I was like almost a six when I, um, 
and I'm five ten. When so when I was done with four hour body. Yeah. But I never had a glass of red wine. I wasn't enjoying myself. I was always tired. I was always injured. It was just like, and so I've come to the point in my life where it's like, I'm going to strength train three days a week. I'm going to do my yoga three days a week. I'm going to walk till my heart's content. Um, and I'm going to drink a glass of champagne tonight before this thing we're doing, and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to, you know, eat healthy to where it feels good. And I'm going to eat dark chocolate because I like dark chocolate. You know, those are all things that I've just decided over time is like, it's not that serious. No, we do. Uh, we say, is the juice worth the squeeze? That's right. And when I say to people, I'm like, you don't want to do what I do because you, your wife. I mean, I can tell you're probably super strict. Yeah. Like your wife would leave you. You would have no friends. <laughs> like you would be miserable every day. I go, but it works for me. Because I'm a serial killer. So for my life, it works. But that's just who I'm going to be till I'm dead. I'm a grinder. And I like to do this. And also, I take my clothes off for money. So there's this other financial incentive that you will never have. And so maybe it would be different. But naturally, I'm an ectomorph. I'm like, and I like to lift. And this is just who, this is my thing is where it'd be too restrictive for somebody else. And what is it worth? You're the most shredded person at Calm. Super cool, dude. Like, yeah. if you're but not happy with it, then why do it? Yeah, and also, like, especially for, well, moms and dads, it's like, we are examples for our children, you know, and so I, my kids have been watching me exercise, because I have a, a pretty full out gym in, in my house, and um, my kids have been, since they were in bouncy chairs, one hour every day, moms in the gym, they have, they are used to it completely, they woke up when they were super young, they'd run around it, but they're in that room because mom's doing this for an hour and now they just ignore me, you know, until I'm done. And so they're seeing that and they're able to do that. But the other thing I notice is when I'm being no fun with myself is they'll say things like, Oh, let's go get frozen yogurt. And dad's like, yeah. And then one of my kids will say, mom's not going to eat it. And I, I just said like, why am I doing that? My kids are going to remember mom went and had a frozen yogurt with them. You know, I don't want them to remember that mom, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but no kids are going to remember, oh, my mom shouldn't have been wearing a two-piece at the beach that day. She definitely should have worn a shirt over. They want your their mom in the water with them. They could give a crap less what you look like, yeah. right? And so I've just learned to let go of all those things. Some of them more recently, some of them, you know, 10 years ago. But it's a slow process over time. And I think more women um, can do a better job of, like, self-acceptance and the society as a whole well it's weird because like we think everybody notices us and nobody really gives a shit that's mm -hmm. what i've that's pretty well, much if, true when you really get the realization like you're going to be dead someday which is going to happen and i give this example all the time i had a kid work for me for a long time great kid and i remember pearl jam came on and we asked him who it was and he had no idea and i came to the realization i'm like this guy doesn't know who eddie vetter and pearl jam is He's never heard the 10 album in his life. You think someone gives a shit what you look like at the beach? Like, they do not care whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, but it's hard because it's in your head. And you think it's so important and everybody notices me. And, again, we don't talk about that enough either. Where, and obviously in my space, you know, the reason the freaks of us look like this is because something's wrong with us, obviously. Like, we built up this physical armor because of God knows what. And, like, there was a long time where I would be... Like at the Mr. Olympia, at the Arnold, I'm working there. I'm with these supplement companies. I'm on a poster that's 30 feet high, and I'm like, God, you kind of look like shit. 
And then you're like, this company spent all this money to pay me to be here. And they pay me just to basically be fit. And they put me on a giant billboard and I don't like what it looks like. Like how fucked is my brain? But that's like a cultural thing. And I think like, sadly, with social media and the world, we just, we perpetuate it. We make it worse because we curate things, we share it, and then we, we compare. And it's not a healthy thing. And sometimes it's even comparing us to like what we used to be. Mm-hmm. with certain things but I think and this this focus is one of the reasons why people don't stay committed to themselves and their behavior because they're they're always looking at it from the physical and the outside instead of internally how do they feel and the more we focus on the outside the worse it gets it's like if I'm not losing weight or if I don't look a certain way why am I exercising you're exercising because your you know your heart needs to pump blood to to get blood throughout your body so that you can live you know in your 80s 90s right yeah. you're exercising so that your bones are strong and you aren't on um you know, you don't have osteoporosis when you're 60, right? You're exercising because you likely sit at a desk all day and your body, your spine needs to move in a lot of different directions. Like people don't stress these things and they don't think about them. There's, you know, us as a society, we still haven't done better, you know? Well, it's crazy that you say that just because I'm, I'm thinking about it. You touched on one thing, the like the medications and stuff. I was at, at a physical on Tuesday and... I mean, literally every time I go, what medications you take? None. And they look at you like you're from a different planet, which that's become a rarity. I'm like, well, I eat a certain way. And I go, the byproduct is, yeah, you might be able to look better. I go, but I really do it. Even for me, as as vanity driven as the world I live in, I like to feel good because I'm my most productive. I can think better. I can once in a while say something intelligent. But if I didn't, my brain, I'm just, it's cloudy. It's foggy in the style I used to eat and the way I used to do it. I could get away with looking a certain way, but I didn't feel great. And that's where I do think we have to kind of audit. And we don't do that. Like where you'll track your bank account, right? And yeah, I'm not talking just like macros on my fitness pal, because that's easy. You'll track your bank account when you go to college. You're going to take these mini courses. You're going to get the credits. You get the degree. We don't do it with our food, though. Like take a diary of like, well, I eat this, and then I have a runny nose, or I have mucus production, or I have cramps, or I'm irregular. We don't do that with any of our eating habits, but yet we... I guess as a society, just kind of expect them, oh, they'll just kind of get better. Or this is what normal is. Because we don't talk about here, here's how you should take a shit. Here's how you should wake up. Here's how you should feel after you eat your meals. Like that piece is missing. Yeah, but again, I think it's I think it's really a, a product of like society and like fast moving, achieving more, getting more, doing more, being more. And again, it comes, I know it sounds so funny. I keep bringing it back to like, mindfulness but if we're just aware for one moment how far we're reaching forward always the next thing the next thing the next thing instead of what's going on right now we could begin to understand what it's like to taste our food and and then also like what does my body feel like right after do I have the sniffles do I have a bellyache like it takes, you know, it, it takes a practice. It's, it's so important. It's like there's, you know, eating's good, eating well, exercise, but there's also this component of like managing our mind and quieting our mind and noticing what's going on in our lives because it's going to be hard to get there if we can't, you know, if we can't quiet, slow, ease, peace, like, you're never going to notice the runny nose when you eat yogurt. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you're never going to notice it if you don't have any capacity for it. And so that's the other thing, even with that, even that practice is like when working for calm, it's like, you know, I don't know if I'm meditating right. You know, there is no right way. The fact that you can sit for two to three minutes and silence yourself is better than zero minutes, right? Four minutes, then five minutes, just like walking. Start with what do you, how many steps do you have today, right? Like, okay, an average an average woman is going to have 3,500, 4,500, right? Very low. Like Mayo, and Mayo Clinic say two to 3,000. Is that right? Well, you want to have 10,000 at the end of the day. But I think they say the, the average is like two to three. Okay, so two to three K. So, it's crazy. But you're not going to be, you're not as likely to be successful if you say to me, I have 3,000 steps. How many should I get? And I say 10K tomorrow. You're going to be like, okay, that's 7K from this. There's no way. So then the, the recommendation in the literature is 10% increases until you reach it two, three, four times and then go another 10% and another 10%. And the same thing happens with quieting our mind and that other component of quote unquote fitness, mental fitness is like, um, try two minutes, try three minutes, try four, you know, slowly over time, get committed to a practice. And the next thing you know, you're like, like you don't, no, right then and there. It's not as tangible as like, I did 10 sit-ups today and now I can do 15 sit-ups. It doesn't work like that. But you go to the refrigerator to open it and you're like, shit, I'm not hungry. That is from that two to three, four minutes over time that you're taking to slow yourself down. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to your eating practice in a second because like I talked with Sergio Rojas was here a while ago and he mm -hmm. had this whole mindful eating thing which mm. a lot of it made sense to me too and just like how many times you chew your food and all this other crazy shit but <laughs> you mentioned that the it, one thing where it's like it's quick fixes and people they might try stuff but it doesn't happen in two seconds they want to punt it and we're all guilty of it I just don't do yeah, it with, sure. with this I don't I didn't do it with finances it took me a long time to make money um, which I wish I could have done it quick, but it didn't happen that way. Same thing with being fit. Like it took me a long time to get here, but I still wanted it fast. It's just, I was willing to accept it where Amazon comes in two days or a day. If it takes four days, I'm like, what the fuck? So now, so, and, and because I know that now I understand the psychology of everybody who comes here because they want it in Amazon. I go, but this isn't Amazon yesterday. Yeah. This shit's, you know, in a bottle going down the salt river. Eventually it'll get to your house. And so that's a huge problem, I think, for all of us. Look, we, we just want it instantly. If it doesn't happen, we're not willing to put the time in. So with that said, do you have a practice like when you eat? Is there a certain thing you do mm -hmm. that kind of slow things down? Because like I used to just be like, well, I'm going to eat in three fucking minutes. And like I'd watch my dog and I'm like, my dog <laughs> eats everything I eat. I actually had this guy bring this painting actually of my dog, which is I never, oh, I never met the cool. guy. He just showed up. His, bless his heart. Super cool. Um, that's cool. But my dog will like eat grass-fed steak it eats asparagus other, other than fruit my dog doesn't like fruit but he eats all the same shit i eat and so my dog just like woofs it down i'm like are you even tasting this meat that cost me 15 bucks a pound i was gonna say you are making money now if you're feeding your yeah. dog so but asparagus I, but I'm, I'm watching that and i'm like okay sometimes i'm guilty of that and i think like the stat was like you should chew your food like 30 sometimes or whatever which is seems super high to me but i have found myself being way more mindful where I actually will eat, take a bite. Cause if you only eat once a day, like me, you better fucking enjoy it. Cause it's not coming for a long time. So I'll put the fork down. I'll put the stuff down. I'll try to like maybe talk with my wife or something, which actually slows the meal down and it's helped me drastically. Is there anything like you do or you just like woof it down like a normal person? Um, I don't woof it down. That's for sure. I'm actually, 
I love food. Well, who doesn't? Love food. Yeah. Um, and so dinner time too, because I'm with my kids and my husband, it's like the one part of the day where we're all together. So I really enjoy it. I tend to be a fast eater. And so I'm mindful of that. So I will have a few times through my meal where I'm like, I say to myself, okay, slow down. And I'll like look around and see what other people's paces are. My husband eats slower. My youngest son eats slower. My oldest son wolfs everything down. So I try to stay close. So these are just the strategies I use. I try to stay closer to those to their pace. Um, Drink, you know, some water in between. And really that's it. I try not to get too hung up on like, I need 32s or, but they say about 20 minutes is when your, your brain starts to get, you know, messages from your stomach that you're, you know, eating and that you're, you could be full or not. So I try to be mindful of that, especially as I'm like, um, you know, if I'm hungry, if I'm pretty hungry, I sit down to eat, have a very healthy protein and whatever else goes along with that. Sometimes I want seconds, even though it's a healthy protein doesn't mean I need it or healthy vegetable doesn't necessarily mean I need it. So I might wait just to make sure, you know, drink some more water. Okay. I'm still hungry or I'm not. Those are really, that's really the only things I, I do. I do, I guess I'm more um, focused on what's the content of the food that I'm like, what am I eating? Yeah. You know, that's really what I, you know, if I've, if I've had a good helping of sweet potato fries, which are in the air fryer and have nothing but salt and some seasoning on them, then it's just like, no, I really don't need to eat more of those. I could eat more of this instead. So just think about that stuff. Yeah. It's, um, the time thing is interesting to me because that's the example I go back to my, before I was, as people will say, Jeremy Scott fitness in my other life. (laughs) Uh, you know, when you're at the bar and you're just getting, you know, lit up. And you're taking shots like a dumbass. I don't know what that's like yeah, ever. <laughs> you know? But, like, you're taking shots like an idiot, and it doesn't hit you right away. Mm-hmm. And then, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm fine. Let me take a couple more. And all of a sudden, it's like you can't this, walk to the this wave comes over you, and you're like, <laughs> where the fuck am I? That's what I feel eating is. Where when I would eat super fast and drink no fluid or anything, I eat everything in, like, three minutes. And I just keep shoveling and shoveling. And all of a sudden, 15 minutes later, I'm like, man, I ate way too much. And it causes this, you know discomfort that I'm going to pay for either instantly or obviously later down the line. So I will say slowing down has been huge for me personally, just taking the time and realizing, you know what, you actually are full and like understanding the cues and like how our brain and gut communicate and like not getting dehydration and like hunger confuses one another, which a lot of times obviously we do too, which is kind of crazy. So interesting that you say that. Yeah. I, I used to do, um, I used to do intermittent fasting um, I actually did it for years until January this past January one. I gave it up. Yeah. I'm done with it. And I have seen no differences, none, well, zero zilch. Like I was doing it for so long, mostly because I was going through hormonal changes and I wanted to see how it would help me and shorter spans of fasting, not longer. So like the literature shows that men do better on longer for um, sure, and women do better on shorter. I think I was like fasting like 14 Okay. hour so I'd like it whenever I never did it beyond what time am I eating dinner when I finished I would add two hours and that's when I'm eating breakfast okay and I would drink coffee and nothing in my coffee I'm a real coffee drinker I don't need anything in my coffee you don't but put any almond milk in there yeah <laughs> I do in my second cup at like two o'clock in the day but I do later too yeah. I do cold brew to start just because it's plain and yeah exactly I go through it, but. but I did that for a while and I thought I was gonna 
you know, my motivation, if I'm completely honest, was weight. And it didn't really do anything for me. The only thing it really did was make me feel like really good when I started eating. I, I, I just, my body just felt like it had used up the food that I had, you know, I just felt good. But I think I eat healthy. And so it's like, now, if I'm going to go to yoga as my first activity at 9, 9.30, I won't eat before because you don't want to practice yoga with food in your belly. I'll have my coffee. So you could call that like two times a week, three times a week I'm if you want to give it a word, intermittent fasting. Yeah. But, but I weight train at 5 in the morning. So if I'm doing an hour of weight training and I'm doing, you know, 10, 10 is my reps, four or five sets, I can't wait to eat until like 10 o'clock. It just wasn't making sense for me. I was, I literally spent all this time being hungry and doing the opposite of, again, so this comes back to like what feels good for you versus what the science says. I could be hungry. I can deal with hunger pains. It's called water and coffee. I've been doing, it's not that big of a deal. I've had to do it for blood work, whatever, who cares? Get over it. It was more of like, it didn't feel right to me that my body was telling me all the things I am hungry that are healthy. And I would say, no body, I'm not going to feed you. I'm not going to give you nutrients. I was like, why the fuck am I still doing this to myself? Haven't lost any weight because I have this belief about how it's going to help my weight. And so that's why I feel so proud when I went, I stopped and I've seen no changes in my body weight because now get done with my workout at like six, take a shower, whatever. I'm eating breakfast at seven, high protein. Yeah. I actually eat vegetables for breakfast. People think that's weird, but I do. And no changes. Still eating about the same amount of food. I get hungry at different times, but even with the shift in the times. So it's just so funny that now, like I'm really following how my body feels, listening to my internal being. And it's, just fine. Well, it's crazy. We get married to like a methodology. Totally. And, that, and that's our camp. Like, and I'm not begging on CrossFit, but like CrossFit's a camp. Vegan is a camp. Intermittent fasting is a camp. Carnivore is a camp. Keto is a camp. And it's like, well, this is what I do. And I'm going to do it till I'm dead. And the truth is for most of these things, like we can go down the science of there's benefits individually to each one of them. And you can refute almost all of them. They all work because you're in a deficit. That's how fat loss works. That's right. I don't give That's a right. shit That's how right. you eat. That's right. And so to me. But they're it, not long lasting. No. It was only personality type. And I'm probably better now because I'm like old. But when I was young, I'm like I'm an overeater. So if I start eating, it's a fucking avalanche, dude. Like it's going to get real bad real quick. And so the way I could like create a management system is like, well, if I just don't eat anything, I can't fuck it up. And so if the window is smaller, then I can fuck up less. And so then I can show up and be on video. But and that what feel, so again, you have your, your career and then you have your own method of what works for you. Because of my personality is this. That's right. And, and it's obviously working cause you know, you're doing just fine. But, um, you know, again, that's why I tell people it's like in, we do like, I'm a scientist. We do all of our science on these group groups and averages, you know, what's the mean and like, the mean change over time. And it's like, but there's these outliers that do matter and people that don't fit within that. There's a reason they're not like, what is, is, you know, and if, if you're doing like an exercise study, it's like, what's going on with them mentally? You know, what's going on with them hormonally? Like there's so many things that we don't think about. And so that's why like with Tim Ferriss and his one-offs and his N equals one, you know, I don't know his work 
110%, but I know some of it. And it's like, there's, there's good and bads, just like there is group. And it's like merging, um, you know, and like we were talking about, um, earlier, it's like, as a professional, you have to be real good at crafting what you're doing and having the science to back it up. And there's always going to be science to refute that, right? Again, you got to do what works for you. And I'll do this before, and we'll talk about the call map before you go, because you're here. Um, oh, yeah. But the, um, the studies, some yeah. of these studies are bullshit. Like, and I, what I mean is in terms of exercise and food. We're like, who, and this is what I don't think people get where, so I wrote, so the other day I phrased it wrong. And I have some friends who are super smart now, so they fucking roast me anytime. It's not perfect. And I was talking about dairy stuff. And, um, you know, unless you're like lactose intolerant or have some issues, dairy is really not this inflammatory thing. And a lot of the research you look at now, it's either net neutral or it can actually be like positive in terms of inflammation. If it's like, you know, yogurts, if, it, if the, the gut bacteria can help, you know, there's stuff go, yeah. that goes both ways. And I was just like, well, and they're like, where are the studies? And I'm like, Rachel, give me a fucking break. If she's listening. You're the worst and I love you. But that's what I'm talking about. Like, so some of the, and not just that specifically, but there's some studies where it's like, does the sugar companies fund this? Like, are we paying people to do things? Cause that does exist in the world. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's a hard part to navigate. Well, this study said this, I'm like, well, it might be true, but how big was it? Like, what's the overall analysis? Like, there's a lot of that shit that goes on. I don't mm -hmm. think people understand that. And mm -hmm. over the years, obviously we've seen that come to light. It's like, who's funding the research? Like when you watch the like, subject, like when you watch a documentary on Netflix, which is the, I fucking hate this every time one comes out, like, and I'm not going to name them specifically, but it's like, well, who funded this? documentary yeah. and if we're talking about hey it's, meat is as bad as smoking cigarettes like that bullshit and i'm like well who funded it well these vegan food companies funded it and they're going to say that well of course if you pay me enough dude and i'll be honest with you if mcdonald's comes to me today and says jeremy wouldn't give you a billion dollars i'm fucking selling big macs dude like we all <laughs> like we know we all have a price right and that's what's going on so it's hard for people to the average person's never going to dig into that anyway mm -hmm. and so there's so much information it's like it needs to be like a faucet, but we have like a fire hose, mm -hmm. which is crazy. No, I agree. I think, I think it just, um, again, you have to take the time to find out where you're getting your information. You really do. And again, I'll say that not everybody has the same resources. So we super have to be mindful of that, but, um, taking the time to like, where are you getting this information? What, you know, who says this? Says who? Says well, what? Always, Did you read it on Instagram? Yes. Or they said. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, well, who, yeah. Who's, who's they? they? Yeah. Or and what's the study behind it? A doctor on TV, for example. Well, we watch this doctor show on TV, and this is what it is. Don't I'm get like, me started with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we yeah. have. Like, and I'm not going to name anybody because we know a lot of these people in certain circles. But it's like, what the fuck, dude? But that becomes because they got the attention in the airtime, or because we read it. Now we've adopted this as this is the religion even though that that study is flawed and it's biased and it's pushing an agenda because that person makes money behind it. And that's the hard part. And, and I love the, the internet because like obviously we can do this and you can make all this money and it's cool. And we can reach people, but you have to sift through so much horse shit that was never there before. That's true. Which is crazy. That's so true. since you're here, the yes. Calm app. Yes. Number one app for sleep meditation. Yes. On the app store. That's not easy to do. No, it's not easy to do. It's actually an amazing it's an amazing app, and I say that um, 
without bias in the sense that even though I'm the director of science. So they paid, um, paid to say that. I no. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm definitely not, not I'm paid to say that. But um, I will say that I was a user of Calm before I became the director. And my um, journey to Calm was quite interesting, which is um, I think there's a lot of employees at Calm that are in the same kind of a boat where they were users and they really believed in the product. And so I, I mentioned earlier, you know, that I had trauma. Um, my second child was born still at full term. She was nine pounds and um, she was she was born still. And that really changed my life, right? So, yeah. um, and that was when I started shifting from using exercise in my research to more complementary approaches, physical activity being a complementary approach, right? Um, but then also yoga and meditation. I became an avid yogi, still am, really, really love yoga. And um, then I started meditation. And when I left Omaha, Nebraska and left my yoga um, teacher and started into meditation, I used the Calm app because I didn't have a teacher to guide me. And I hadn't yet figured out that I was my own teacher. I didn't need someone to teach me. But I, I started using the app and then I was like, oh shit, this is working for me. This is actually helping me. And then because I'm a researcher, I'm like, damn, I got to be using this in research. Like I've been helping people improve their health, their chronic conditions with exercise. Why am I not using meditation if I know it works for me? So then I, I reached out to Calm and I said, hey, can I get some free memberships? This was like literally like five, six years ago. They were had 10 employees at the time. Now they have like, you know, hundreds. Yeah. Anyway, they were like, sure, yeah, we can give you some memberships. So I did a research study in cancer patients and I actually took cancer patients and I asked half of them to use the Calm app and half of them to use 10% Happier, a competing app. And I looked at the acceptability of those two. So I figured if I'm going to use an app, I'm going to ask the population that I'm working with to tell me which app they want to use. And hands down, this is a published paper, Calm was more acceptable than this other app. No shit. And so, yeah, so then I was like, okay, well, here's my answer. So then I did a, a four, just a four-week, one-month um, feasibility study where we saw reductions in um, fatigue and better sleep and a number of, a number of, um, symptoms of cancer improve. And so, um, I just kept doing more and more research on it. And I don't know if you're familiar with the National Institutes of Health, but okay. So as a researcher, when you get a, a funded from the NIH, you have made it. Like that's the real uh, deal. Yeah. You are the real deal, right? So I did get one with Calm and ASU when I was at ASU. It was a joint venture where Calm was the um, business and I was the researcher to develop some stuff for cancer. And then um, I left ASU, have not looked back. Best decision I ever made. I am very grateful for what Academe gave me, but oh, I'm having the time of my life right now at my, at my job. It's like more but, freedom now? Uh, it's just, yeah, but I, like I'm doing something to me that matters. Calm has 4.5 million paying users. I would much rather do science for something that's going to help 4.5 million people. So it's just like amazing. And the, their, their, um, mission, you know, to make the world a healthier and happier, happier place. It's legit. Like they really do want to do that. It's not a gimmick. It's not just a line. They, they, I'm experiencing it even before I worked for them and, and now, but I'll say, so when I left academe, 
literally 30 days after I left academe, I got a note from the NIH and that original study that I started, I had written five times over two and a half years for a $2.7 million grant. I got a perfect score. So now we are funded to do that work at COM as a director of science. We're, I think I, it's one of the first RO1s at a, um, especially a mindfulness app. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty remarkable in terms of like taking academe and all the hard work and then getting to basically be a kid in a toy store. I mean. And do with like money to do whatever. Well, but it's not really about the money. It's more about the fact that this is, I love what they, like I used Calm. It helped me. I've watched it help cancer patients. I've watched it help college students. I've watched it help sleep disturbed adults, which by the way, like two thirds of adults are sleep disturbed. And our randomized control trials show that Calm improves or reduces sleep disturbance, improves sleep quality. You know when you lay down in bed at night and your brain's like going, going, going? Every day. Okay, yeah. It's pre-sleep arousal. Calm reduces pre-sleep arousal. Like there's legitimate things that we've been able to measure that calm helps. So God, to to be able to take the knowledge base and then apply it to this product that's fucking awesome is a really cool gig. So for people listening and like, I would say it here to people cause we move this around a couple of times and I put it here yeah. and I'm like, why wow, this, you know, super smart person coming on from the call map. And like people would kind of understand what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but like, Oh yeah, I think I've seen it, but mm-hmm. no clue whatsoever. So like for the person who's listening, like what exactly is it? If they were to get it, what does the, I guess the average user get out of it or like, what's the options for them? Just cause yeah. So Calm, it, it's a it's a brand, right? Calm is a brand and they have an app and the app helps, you know, like I said, improve your sleep and help you find relaxation. And there's definitely evidence behind the app in all these um, areas like reducing stress, reducing anxiety, reducing depression. But what Calm offers is there's a daily meditation every day. There's two different types. There's what we call the daily J. It's like a seven minute quick, like, um, talk that's, um, it's inspirational. Um, and then, um, we have the daily move. So there's, um, the woman who does these, her name is Mel Ma. It's just like five minutes of moving your body. It's not yoga. It's not Tai Chi. It's actually really cool. Like you could stand up from your desk, move really quick, you know, do it and sit down. There's breathing exercises where you can just get in touch with your breath. There's soundscapes. There's sleep stories. So they're very well known for their sleep stories, which are narratives based on like mindfulness-based strategies to help people be immersed in sensory. It's like a bedtime story. Right. Right. Exactly. With mindfulness in, you know, so like the, the most famous, you know, when we first did Matthew McConaughey, he did a sleep story and women were writing like, I don't need my husband anymore. I can go to bed uh, with dude, Matt McConaughey. My, my fucking wife, man. <laughs> like I, I have a, a saying I say all the time, like, you know, we're all dorks. Like none of us will look as cool as Matthew McConaughey driving his Lincoln down the road. <laughs> but she said he has a book, I guess he wrote. And she's like, but he reads in his own voice. And she's like, it's so awesome. I'm like, if I hear it one more time, I'm going to lose my shit. But to your <laughs> yeah, point. so he does sleep stories and um, we release people. We have... Uh, content for kids and actually some really interestingly some of our research is showing we're getting ready to publish this is that parents have less stress and better sleep when they have kids using the calm kids app the um 
kids portion of the app. So it's, it's like I said, it's just remarkable. In fact, we just had um, some content by Pink do some oh, yeah. stuff. So she's very mo- motivated by her own child's mental health and wellness. And so she did some of the content on Calm recently. So lots of celebrities and, um, you know, people, people like that. And yeah, it's just, they're, they're doing some really great things for people and we're in seven languages. So it's not, you know, you don't have to be English speaking to, to use the app and have the resource. And so, so most people just do it if it's the the sleep. I mean, I'm sure the relaxation stuff is obviously any time throughout the day, but the sleep stuff is like pre-bed routine. Is that right? Well, um, so we actually do have nap. Like you could take a nap to calm, like a 20-minute nap, which is very healthy. And you just play it like on the – you don't put AirPods in. You just play it on the phone. You, you can. People put – who can sleep with AirPods in or some type of, you know, can do it that way um, – but like for me, if I can't sleep, I'll just play. I, I like the um, the meditations or the sounds. I don't I don't do the sleep stories. My kids love the sleep stories, but I just play it on my phone and it just ends when it ends. And I'm asleep, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and so you like you have a meditation practice you do every day. That's right. Is it to start the day and the day? When do you throw it in? So I wake up, I use the restroom come back. I sometimes put my workout clothes on and then I sit on my couch or my bed or I, I do it before um, I get dressed for my workout. But yeah, 15, about 15 to 20 minutes every day. And what do you do? Just sit there? I just sit there. Well, sometimes I use Calm yeah. and that's really, that's truly honest. Um, but I use more of their um, light meditations where Tamara Levitt will get you ready for your meditation and it's just silence. And then it tells you when it's over. Sometimes I don't even use that. I just listen to the birds, pay attention to my breath. Sometimes I want to be guided more, so I'll do something guided. Um, it doesn't always have to be Calm, but usually it is. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, even my kids are so used, like we talked about, you know, kids and seeing it. They're so used to it now that if they go to walk to my room and they can hear the meditation or they see, they they um, like tiptoe downstairs or they lightly close their doors so that they're like, we didn't want to interrupt your meditation, mom. <laughs> That's super cool. Well, you mentioned that because my wife will like, is there, I guess well, I'll go to that. Well, I'll do this first. My wife does the same thing where on the day she doesn't, sometimes it's a train wreck. Love her to death, but it's just a reality. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm rarely ever home. I get up at like four and I bounce. And even if that, if I work from home in the office, I'm in there, it's closed. I don't, but like, I don't know if we're going to, we're getting on a plane together or a flight and she's like trying to do it. And I'm coming in the guest room to grab something and like wants to murder me because I like interrupt her flow or her mm-hmm. shit. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm just. So she meditates? Yeah. She has like a Does she use the Calm app? <laughs> I don't know if she, I'll have to ask her. I know like I, we've had him on her phone. I've used some of the breathing stuff before too. Cause like we had a guy in here. On he, Calm? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cause there's a dude, um, you know, Wim Hoff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. So I got a dude here, Dave Romanelli. Dude's a crazy. Dave He's, Romanelli? You know Dave? You know Dave? Uh, we are friends for sure. My oldest son watches his kids sometimes at his house. Number one. Number two, in the cancer prototype that we did for some research, he did the content for, um, for that. For oh, I was gonna say yeah because yeah. Uh, Dave is he was on the podcast like a month ago. Oh yeah, where he um, he walked through the whole thing because he started uh, at one yoga. Yeah. With Ian. Yeah. So John Salisbury, do you know? Yeah, I know John. Yeah. Okay. I know Ian, him, that, everybody. I am everyone. I don't even care who 
makes fun of me. I'm a John worshiper. I have been following that guy for nine years. He's a friend of mine. I practice with him three to four days a week without fail. John Salisbury, that's it. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, we know the whole community. Alex. Uh, oh, yeah. Jacqueline Collier, who now is married to my one of my best friends, Dave Drees, the whole. Oh, so Alex and John taught a class like four, three, four years ago, two times um, each once each year where we raised a bunch of money in honor of my daughter because John Salisbury um, has a connection to our to our family and the same trauma in his family and Dave Romanelli had with his kid with his cancer daughter stuff. Yeah. yeah she's almost done with her cancer treatments I think September she's done yeah so he he came on walked through his whole practice and then Jack one's like well I read his emails every day because he sends these emails I guess yeah, I don't know if it's every day I get them okay yeah so she's Pretty walking cool. me through it and then I had another dude come on who uh, Michael Rovielli, he used to be a Navy rescue diver. He jumped out of airplanes into the ocean, rescue people. Oh, Jesus. Ends up going on this like trip in the, the Amazon, like tripping on ayahuasca, all this crazy shit. But he meets Wim Hof, becomes certified, and then he's all Damn. into the cold breathing immersion. So Damn. either I would do the Calm app or like the Wim stuff because they're both kind of these breathing-based things. Yeah, do you have a pool? Yeah. Yeah, in the wintertime, well, the, you just go in your pool in your backyard. The people at uh, Ice Barrel sent me one for my house. So now we have this fancy, like, super expensive Ice Barrel. Are you it's, serious? It's the fucking worst, actually. Damn it. But it's, like, super, it's helpful. They're expensive. They're Probably, weird. like, thousands of dollars. Yeah, right? I was like, Damn it. I love them, but, like, I wouldn't buy yeah, it. Yeah, no, also. yesterday I told my husband, I'm like, hurry and clean the pool because it's almost time for, like, the, the whole uh, pool to not be cold anymore. Because right now it's a cold plunge still. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's awesome. So yeah, we've done, I guess, both. I guess my question was, is there ever a day where you like miss, you don't do it because of like something you overslept? Yeah, or something went wrong? I mean, sure. But like, I try to like either make a note to myself to remind me because I get so busy back to back to take some time. So like, if I don't, like I'll do, I have a, have you heard of a foot up train, feet up trainer or whatever? Yeah, yeah. So I stand up, I go upside down in that. And do some stuff or I'll like do some back bends or something. Go for like a 15-minute walk around the, my neighborhood. I try to do something to like slow down the momentum of my brain because I'm like similar to you. I'm on fire all the time. Meaning, 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 meaning. Science, 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 science. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Got to do it. Got to do it, you know? And um, and so I, I have to be very mindful of slowing the momentum because it gets too far going and then shit just starts going left because <laughs> like we have friends like my wife is similar to you and some of our other friends where when i'm still i still because i love these people here so i'll still come here and i'll coach some of the mornings early but it's early as shit so monday when i roll up here it's like before 5 a.m and i love these guys sometimes they're here before me mm-hmm. so the minute i key in, awesome. when the minute i key in the door they're ready to go oh, and sometimes sure. like talk to me and my brain is like you guys i just need you to just be quiet for like five minutes but <laughs> I've told the story a lot um, in my, my vehicle for a long time. Uh, the battery died like five years ago, whatever. And it dies here every year, obviously. Of and course. Then it asked for the code. I'm like, well, I don't have the code anymore. So I'd have to take it to the dealership. And mm-hmm. A, I'm not going to A, waste the fucking time. So two, I have had no sound in my vehicle for probably like six years. Now, one, it has allowed me to listen to like 100 audio books a year, which is amazing. But my point is when I drive to work, there's no noise. There's nothing. So I don't have 15 minutes to sit in my no, house. No, but that's legit. That's what I do. 
It takes me legit. maybe 13 to 15 minutes to get here. See, and that's the thing. That's why, and like not to go back to calm, but to go back to calm is like not everybody has to meditate as their mindfulness, as their way to slow down. It can be a walk in nature where you're just like looking at the leaves and noticing the birds. And like I went on a bike ride yesterday to Target. We live like Greenway and Tatum. Oh, yeah. So when we can, we ride our bikes to Target. You might as well use your body. It's like two miles. So me and my son were doing that on the way back. I'm like, shit, there's a lot of birds out tonight. Like, and then I was like, damn, I noticed this because I freaking meditate. Like, and then I said to my son, do you hear the birds? They're like, where, what birds? And I'm like, listen to the birds. There's a lot of birds out for like six o'clock at night, you know? So it's like you, you, it could be anything. So that bike ride was almost like, mindfulness because I could hear them all and I knew there were different types and like it could be coloring it could be a puzzle you know calm has puzzles <laughs> um like there's like, just so many things that you know people get hung up on like I have to sit like this and I have to do this no you don't 20 minute naps are a great way to slow down the flow and slow down the chaos just it's just there's a lot of things that you can do um music whatever well, even like uh, brainless activity we call it like so my wife likes to run not yeah. not so much for the just i mean obviously to burn calories but it's more that's her time to that's just right. escape that's right now that's i'd rather swallow wet gravel than go <laughs> fucking running for five miles i go but in the same note that's gross yeah we have i just that's i sound, know that's something <laughs> awful to do. that's right it is that's uh, about running <laughs> but for me i'm like if i would i'll push a sled or I'll do walking lunges for 20 straight minutes. Now, most people seem that sounds awful. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> but it's so brainless to me, right? And I'm like, I get something out of it. Now I can think about sometimes nothing. Where it's not music. It's not, I'm not thinking about work. I'm just like, I'm just going to push this stupid sled for the next 20 minutes back and forth. And I'm like, I get something out of that. Like, mm -hmm. that's kind of part of my routine. I will say, by the app itself, the reason I did it was just the breathing itself. To kind of follow and control the breathing of it. Which, I guess... When we talk about fitness, and I won't eat up all your time, we teach all these skills here, right? Like people come in, and here's how you squat, here's how you lunge, here's how you do push-ups, here's the macros you have to eat, you have to foam roll, you have to stretch, you have to get to sleep. What's the most important fucking thing we do every day? It's breathing. Yet we spend almost zero time... Focusing on it. Yes. That's which right. Because if you can't do that, you're dead. That's right. And so for me, to be mindful of, not just inhale, exhale in terms of movement patterns here, but when I'm at home... And if I'm stressed or like we have anxiety, you know, your physiology changes. Like when you fight with your husband, you don't do it laying in bed listening to the call map. You, have a, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yes, I do. You know what I'm like, like you have a fighting stance, right? You're probably standing up or you're sitting upright and your hands are on your hips. And however you do it, you don't do it laying down super We've chill. never had a fight in 14 yeah. years. Do you believe me? I mean, me and my wife. <laughs> I'm just joking. Day to day. Uh, but I noticed, I'm like, well, when I read a, a shitty email or, or, or something That's goes right. wrong, which is every day. My breathing will change. Mm -hmm. My of body course. posture of will course. change. Of and course. so I start listening to it. For me, it was just to like slow yeah. things down, which, yeah. is, which is super helpful. But I guess my point is most people aren't even aware of when they argue, when they fight, when they get stressed, what the the signs or the, or the triggers are that it's even happening. That's cause, right. Because they're in it. That's right. My, my oldest son is in, uh, he's seeing someone right now just for his own awareness about emotion regulation. I want him to learn. He's emotion forward. And so I want him to learn about his emotions, you know? And so he's just like, I right now he's identifying he's emo his emotions and beyond mad and sad and happy, right? Like what are these emotions? But he's also 
able to like, now he's telling me, he's like, so mom, when I start to get frustrated, I grit my teeth. I get headaches. You know how I always tell you I'm getting a headache? It's usually when, so he's learning all these things. So now as he, you know, continues with his practices with breathing and meditation, hopefully, um, you know, he'll be able to use those in the moment when I'm having a headache. So something's going on here, right? This is my body telling me I'm not, I'm not in the flow, right? So even as a young kid, you can learn it. That's actually super cool because I don't think we even start to, shit, I don't think I probably even start identifying until I was, shit, in my 20s. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. Think about it. When you do think about emotions, you probably go, I'm mad. I'm thrilled. You know, like it's like happy, sad, mad. Like that's it. Nobody really goes, like I, I, I've... I had, a, I had a podcast, we had like a season and we're kind of on a pause right now, but I remember telling this in the podcast as I was waiting, I had to have a, um, a colonoscopy. Oh my God, I've just the one. worst. Yeah. I had to have one, two in a row within three days. Really? Oh yeah. Horrible. But the you second drink time. The, you drink the juice? Oh back no. To back? L- let me just tell you the benefits of being a scientist. After I did that first time, I was like, this is some bullshit. I'm going to read the literature about colonoscopies if I really have to do this fucking stupid drink. And there was, there's actually research to show that if you don't if you do only a certain part of it, you'll still have the same effects with the colon. And I did the half-ass job the second time. And yeah. they were like, your colon was awesome. You did such a good job. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I didn't even follow half of your instructions. I looked at the literature and I followed what a study had That's told me That's badass, actually. Anyway, but I remember being in the waiting room. And of course, it's the second time I'm going in. I'm not thrilled about that. And I was like wanting to cry because my, my appointment was behind and I literally sat there and I'm like, okay, I'm sad. And I'm like, no, that's not the emotion I'm having. Even though I want to cry, it doesn't mean I'm sad. I'm actually frustrated. Like, and then I said to myself, I am not a frustrated person, you know, but I'm frustration is visiting me right now. Right? Like how do I get to the next the next best thing? Right? Like what could be a notch down from frustration or, you know, closer to happiness and joy, right? And so that's really how you got to think about it. It's like one notch at a time and that things are visiting you. You are not them. And it's just, it lifts it. And to talk about it. And I'll share share this fast where I, we call it the Sunday sickness is what we used to call it when I was like in middle school, high school. And I couldn't understand this, right? And I'm young and I grew up in the era of like my dad's from the era of like, you just don't talk about it. Just swallow it and you'll be fine. It worked out for me so far. We'll see when I fucking <laughs> explode here in a couple of years. But I remember Friday would be great. Saturday would be great. And then Sunday, like the Vikings will come on and I start to feel like weird. And I'm like, I just don't feel, I don't like, I don't like Sunday. Like I don't fucking enjoy it. And then I had one like real job, if you want to call it that. Um, and I felt not good on Sundays. I'm like, what is this? And then I figured as I get old and I got to be probably 25 for it's anxiety. I fucking was dreading. I hated school more than anything. Like I just can't fucking, sorry. It's fine. I I hated it, dude. (laughs) And I hated going to work like in this robotic life, but no one ever told me like, here's what feeling anxious is. Here's what feeling like uneasy. Like there was never any of that thing. And so I'm like, all I had to do was create an entire world that revolved around me and everything I did. And then it could just fucking disappear. So obviously now here I am. But my point is I didn't know what that was for so long. I'm just like, well, this is how you feel on Sundays. Mm. And there was no, 
That's there's, interesting. There's no breathing app. There's nobody to. That's right. <laughs> you know, hey, your stomach hurts. Maybe it's something you ate. I'm like, it was not that. It, that can't happen 50 Sundays in a row. Mm-hmm. But I had that for so long. And it's a weird because there was no conversation around it. There was no way for me to get rid of it. It was just like, here's how you're going to be mm-hmm. until you work for yourself, I guess. Yeah. Well, and with my son, it's like, that's my job as a mom. And that's why it's those things like, did he want to go to this woman and start talking about his emotions? No, but it's my job to do those things. Again, it's like, take the easy way out and just kind of let it roll and he'll figure it out. Or, you know, yeah, do I have to dry them and do I have to do this? And yes, and, and I have to pay for it and all those things. But in the end, like, it's all about, you know, empowering my child to have the resources, you know, to self-manage, you know, his emotions. And it's cool that now, like, we have these, well, like, as a parent, you'll do it, but we have these tools and we have the information and we have applications right. to where we can, when we find ourselves tripping, we can chill out. That's we right. We can use these protocols, hopefully, each day to to navigate the shit show of the world we live in. For sure. And I do say like, you know, another obviously plug for calm is that like, you know, calm the, the amount of mail and, you know, comments that we get about how it saved people's lives from like suicide and like the deepest, darkest things that they've ever experienced is actually quite, you know, it's just empowering and inspiring. And, um, you know, if I, if I wear my calm swag, like I, I get stopped every time, like, you know, oh my God, I love the Calm app or, you know, I, I was at a parent thing last week. They're like, someone said you're the director of science at Calm. I've been listening to that thing every day for like, oh, can I talk to you? You know, like I love Calm. Let me tell you. And so it's just nice to hear that it, it like really, really, really is helping people. Well, and it's badass too for you, I'm sure, because obviously you've studied for like 8 million years to get here, but now you know the work. It's and again, it's not that it doesn't matter when it's fifty-two students here because there's a cascade effect that that branches of course, out. I go, of course, but it's way different when it's fucking millions of people, dude. Like yeah. it's pretty badass. I mean, it's it's cool to know that all those people are going to have some type of positive benefit in their life, whatever it ends up being. Because of the stuff you do. Well, the stuff Calm does, I just contribute yeah. to telling the story about it. Yeah. Yeah. Which but it's content producers, like every obviously every single employee makes up calm and they're it, it they're a machine everybody that works there is like super proud of the brand that's that's why you're super, number yeah. one in the app store that's in all the world probably it that's pretty crazy <laughs> uh i know you got a bounce here where um where can these guys uh stalk you at where can they find you yeah you- so um i'm on linkedin um, oh, you're so professional. Oh, well, you know. You're not and a, then, what's your TikTok handle? That's what I really Yeah, okay. About. So it's Jen Huberty. And do I, you really have TikTok? Oh, no, no, no. Actually. I was messing Oh, no, you. I do have TikTok, but I never use I'm it. I'm fucking with you. Instagram? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jen, Huber- Jen Huberty. And then um, <clears throat> I'm also uh, com.com backslash science. That's all the stuff on com science. And then I do have a website, Jen Huberty PhD. And it's got, you know some things and ways to get a hold of me in different ways. But I do post on Instagram occasionally, both personal and professional and LinkedIn. Every week I post the latest calm science and the things that we're learning. So I dig it, dude. I'll put, Thanks. um, we'll get you back on here too, to talk yeah. to you. You're way okay. smarter than me. So this is I'll fun. be quiet. Yeah. Everybody's smart in their own way. I'm just a gorilla in a warehouse, dude. <laughs> That's all I am. Uh, I'll put all her stuff in the show notes. You guys can uh, check it out. Um, and the call map itself, they can, what is it like a free trial? Is that how it works? Or do, they, um, do you pay for it right off the bat? I, I think it's, um, 
I think you can sign up for like a seven day trial, but I wouldn't bother. I'd just get the app. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like 15 bucks. Um, you, if for a year, it's like, I, Oh, I should know this. I don't know. 60, 70, somewhere in there. That's not bad. It's not. Yeah. That's a year. So, so no. it's like a coffee a month or something. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. To get your shit together. That's right. I dig it. That's right. Um, I'll link it all in the show notes. You guys can check it out. I appreciate this. This is awesome, dude. No, yeah, I'm so glad to be uh, here. We'll snap a picture and you can go to your important stuff. Okay. After this. Cool beans. <laughs> um, if you guys got questions on the 40 Day of Fitness, obviously hit me up. Otherwise, uh, the link's in the IG bio. We'll give you a podcast discount code to help you out. Athletic Greens, you guys already know. Um, so, yeah, you can uh, follow her. I'll share everything there. And uh, I'll be back with you guys on Sunday at the latest. So, uh, if you guys are on Apple uh, Podcasts, obviously drop it a five-star, leave a comment. Same thing on Spotify. We appreciate you guys as always. And until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.